Chapters 43 and 44 of A Short History of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. A Short History of the United States by Edward Channing. Chapter 43 From Grant to Cleveland. 1869 to 1889. 447. The 15th Amendment. In February 1869, just before Grant's inauguration, Congress proposed still another amendment, providing that neither the United States nor any state could abridge the rights of citizens of the United States on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. The state legislatures hastened to accept this amendment, and it was declared in force in March 1870. 448. End of Reconstruction. Three states only were still unreconstructed. These were Virginia, Texas, and Mississippi. In 1869, Congress added to the conditions on which they could be readmitted to the Union the acceptance of the 15th Amendment. Early in 1870, they all complied with the conditions and were readmitted. The Union was now again complete. Since 1860, four states had been added to the Union. These were Kansas, West Virginia, Nevada, and Nebraska. There were now 37 states in all. 449. The Southerners and the Negroes. The first result of the Congressional Plan of Reconstruction was to give the control of the southern states to the freedmen and their white allies. Some of these white friends of the freedmen were men of character and ability, but most of them were adventurers who came from the north to make their fortunes. They were called the carpetbaggers because they usually carried their luggage in their hands. The few southern whites who befriended the Negroes were called scalawags by their white neighbors. Secret societies sprang into being. The most famous was the Ku Klux Klan. The object of these societies was to terrorize the freedmen and their white friends and to prevent their voting. This led to the passage of the Force Acts. These laws provided severe penalties for crimes of intimidation. They also provided that these cases should be tried in the United States courts. Federal soldiers stationed in the South could be used to compel obedience to the law. 450. Alabama Claims During the Civil War, vessels built in British shipyards, or refitted and supplied with coal at British ports, had preyed upon American commerce. The most famous of these vessels was the Alabama. The claims for losses caused by these vessels which the United States presented to Great Britain were therefore called the Alabama Claims. There were also disputes with Great Britain over the fisheries and over the western end of the Oregon boundary. In 1871, the United States and Great Britain made an arrangement called the Treaty of Washington. By this treaty, all these points of dispute were referred to arbitration. The Oregon boundary was decided in favor of the United States, but the fishery dispute was decided in favor of Great Britain. The Alabama claims were settled by five arbitrators who sat in Geneva, Switzerland. They decided that Great Britain had not used due diligence to prevent the abuse of her ports by the Confederates. They condemned her to pay fifteen and one-half million dollars damages to the United States. 451. The Chicago Fire, 1871. 
Early one morning in October, 1871, a Chicago woman went to the barn to milk her cow. She carried a lighted kerosene lamp, for it was still dark. The cow kicked over the lamp. The barn was soon ablaze. A furious gale carried the burning sparks from one house to another. And so the fire went on, spreading all that day and night, and the next day. Nearly $200 million worth of property was destroyed. The homes of nearly 100,000 persons were burned down. In a surprisingly short time, the burnt district was rebuilt, and Chicago grew more rapidly than ever before. 452. Corruption and Politics New York City had no $200 million fire, but a ring of city officers stole more than $150 million of the city's money. In other cities, also, there was great corruption, nor were the state governments free from bribery and thieving. Many officers in the national government were believed to be mixed up in schemes to defraud people. The truth of the matter was that the Civil War had left behind it the habit of spending money freely. A desire to grow suddenly rich possessed the people. Men did not look closely to see where their money came from. 453. Election of 1872. In fact, this condition of the public service made many persons doubtful of the wisdom of re-electing President Grant. There was not the slightest doubt as to Grant's personal honesty. There were grave doubts as to his judgment in making appointments. Reconstruction, too, did not seem to be restoring peace and prosperity to the South. For these reasons, many voters left the Republican Party. They called themselves liberal Republicans and nominated Horace Greeley for president. He had been one of the most outspoken opponents of slavery. The Democrats could find no better candidate, so they, too, nominated Greeley. But many Democrats could not bring themselves to vote for him. They left their party for the moment and nominated a third candidate. The result of all this confusion was the re-election of Grant, but the Democrats elected a majority of the House of Representatives. 454. The Cuban Rebellion, 1867-77. When the other Spanish-American colonies won their independence, Cuba remained true to Spain, but by 1867 the Cubans could no longer bear the hardships of Spanish rule. They rebelled and for ten years fought for freedom. The Spaniards burned whole villages because they thought the inhabitants favored the rebels. They even threatened to kill all Cuban men found away from their homes. This cruelty aroused the sympathy of the Americans. Expeditions sailed from the United States to help the Cubans, although the government did everything it could to prevent their departure. One of these vessels carrying aid to the Cubans was named the Virginius. The Spaniards captured her, carried her to Santiago, and killed 46 of her crew. There came near being a war with Spain over this affair, but the Spaniards apologized and saluted the American flag. In 1877, President Grant made up his mind that the war had lasted long enough. He adopted a severe tone toward Spain. The Spanish government made terms with the rebels, and the rebellion came to an end. 455. Scandals in Political Life In 1872, the House of Representatives made a searching inquiry into the charges of bribery in connection with the building of the Pacific Railroads. Oakes Ames of Massachusetts was the head of a company called the Credit Mobilier. This company had been formed to build the Union Pacific Railway. 
Fearing that Congress would pass laws that might hurt the enterprise, Ames gave stock in the company to members of Congress, but nothing definite could be proved against any members, and the matter dropped. Soon after the beginning of Grant's second term, many evil things came to light. One of these was the whiskey ring, which defrauded the government of large sums of money with the aid of the government officials. Grant wished to have a thorough investigation and said, let no guilty man escape. The worst of all, perhaps, was that of W.W. W. Belknap, Secretary of War, but he escaped punishment by resigning. 456. Anarchy in the South Meantime, Reconstruction was not working well in the South. This was especially true of Louisiana, Arkansas, and South Carolina. In Louisiana, and in Arkansas also, there were two sets of governors and legislatures, and civil war on a small scale was going on. In South Carolina, the carpetbaggers and the Negroes had gained control. They stole right and left. In other southern states, there were continued outrages on the Negroes. President Grant was greatly troubled. Let us have peace, was his heartfelt wish, but he felt it necessary to keep federal soldiers in the South, although he knew that public opinion in the North was turning against their employment. It was under these circumstances that the election of 1876 was held. 457. Election of 1876. The Republican candidate was Rutherford B. Hayes of Ohio. He was a gallant soldier of the Civil War and was a man of the highest personal character. His Democratic opponent was Samuel J. Tilden of New York, a shrewd lawyer who had won distinction as governor of the Empire State. When the electoral returns were brought in, there appeared two sets of returns from each of the three southern states, and the vote of Oregon was doubtful. The Senate was Republican, and the House was Democrat. As the two houses could not agree as to how these returns should be counted, they referred the whole matter to an electoral commission. This commission was made up of five senators, five representatives, and five justices of the Supreme Court. Eight of them were Republicans, and seven were Democrats. They decided by 8-7 that Hayes was elected, and he was inaugurated president on March 4, 1877. 458. Withdrawal of the Soldiers from the South The people of the North were weary of the ceaseless political agitation in the South. The old Southern leaders had regained control of nearly all the Southern states. They could not be turned out except by a new civil war, and the northern people were not willing to go to war again. The only other thing that could be done was to withdraw the federal soldiers and let the southern people work out their own salvation as well as they could. President Hayes recalled the troops, and all the southern states at once passed into the control of the Democrats. 459. Strikes and Riots, 1877. The extravagance and speculation of the Civil War and the years following its close ended in a great panic in 1873. After the panic came the hard times. Production fell off. The demand for labor diminished. Wages were everywhere reduced. Strikes became frequent and riots followed the strikes. At Pittsburgh in western Pennsylvania, the rioters seized the railroad. They burned hundreds of railroad cars and locomotives. They destroyed the railroad buildings. At last, the riot came to an end, but not until millions of dollars worth of property had been destroyed. 460. Election of 1880. 
At the beginning of his administration, Hayes had declared that he would not be a candidate for re-election. Who should be the Republican standard bearer? Grant's friends proposed to nominate him for a third term. The politicians who advocated a third term for Grant were opposed to the candidacy of James G. Blaine. They were called the Stalwart Republicans. In the convention, they voted steadily and solidly for Grant. Finally, their opponents, with the cry of anything to beat Grant, suddenly turned to an entirely new man, whose name had been little mentioned. This was James A. Garfield of Ohio. He had won distinction in the Civil War and had served with credit in Congress. For vice president, the Republicans nominated Chester A. Arthur, a New York banker. The Democrats, on their part, nominated one of the most brilliant and popular soldiers of the Army of the Potomac, General Winfield Scott Hancock. The campaign was very hotly contested. In the end, Garfield won. 461. Garfield Murdered. Civil Service Reform President Garfield took oath of office on March 4, 1881. On July 2, he was shot in the back by a disappointed office seeker. Week after week, he endured terrible agony. At length, on September 19, the martyred president died. Now, at last, the evils of the spoils system were brought to the attention of the American people. Vice President Arthur became president and entered heartily into the projects of reform. A beginning was soon made, but it was found to be a very difficult thing to bring about any lasting reform. The Constitution gives the president the appointment of officers, subject to the confirmation of the Senate. No act of Congress can diminish the constitutional powers of the president, except so far as he consents, and one president cannot bind succeeding presidents. Any scheme of reform also costs money, which must be voted annually by Congress. It follows, therefore, that the consent of every president and of both houses of every Congress is necessary to make the reform of the civil service permanent. Nevertheless, the reform has made steady progress until now, by far, the greater part of the civil service is organized on the merit system. 462. Election of 1884. In 1884, the Republicans nominated James G. Blaine of Maine for president. He was a man of magnetic address and had made many friends, but he had also made many enemies. Especially many Republican voters distrusted him. They felt that he had used his position for private gain, although nothing was proved against him. These Republicans were called mugwumps. They bolted the nomination and supported the Democratic candidate Grover Cleveland. As mayor of Buffalo, Cleveland had done very well. He had then been elected governor of New York by a very large majority. The campaign of 1884 was conducted on the lines of personal abuse that recall the campaigns of 1800 and 1828. Cleveland carried four large northern states and the solid south and was elected. 463. Cleveland's Administration, 1885-89. The great contest of Cleveland's first term was a fierce struggle over the tariff. The government's need of money during the Civil War had compelled Congress to raise large sums by means of internal revenue taxes. These taxes, in turn, had brought about a great increase in the tariff rates on goods imported from foreign countries. 
The internal revenue taxes had been almost entirely removed, but the war tariff substantially remained in force. In 1887, Cleveland laid the whole question before Congress. For a time, it seemed probable that something would be done, but the opposition in Congress was very active and very strong. It fell out, therefore, and nothing important was done. The real significance of Cleveland's first administration lay in the fact that the Southerners were once again admitted to share in the government of the nation. It marked, therefore, the reunion of the American people. End of chapter 43 Part 15 National Development, 1889-1900 to Chapter 44 Confusion and Politics 464 Benjamin Harrison, elected president, 1888. In 1888, the Democrats put forward Cleveland as their candidate for president. The Republicans nominated Benjamin Harrison of Indiana. Like Hayes and Garfield, he had won renown in the Civil War and was a man of the highest honor and proved ability. The prominence of the old Southern leaders in the Democratic administration and the neglect of the business interests of the North compelled many Northern Republicans who had voted for Cleveland to return to the Republican Party. The result was the election of Harrison and of a Republican majority in the House of Representatives. 465. The McKinley Tariff, 1890. One of the questions most discussed in the campaign of 1888 was the reform of the tariff. There seemed to have been two sets of tariff reformers. One set of reformers proposed to reform the tariff by doing away with as much of it as possible. The other set of reformers proposed to readjust the tariff duties so as to make the protective system more consistent and more perfect. Led by William McKinley, the Republicans set to work to reform the tariff in this latter sense. This they did by generally raising the duties on protected goods. The McKinley Tariff Act also offered reciprocity to countries which would favor American goods. This offer was in effect to lower certain duties on goods imported from Argentina, for instance, if the Argentine government would admit certain American goods to Argentina on better terms than similar goods imported from other countries. 466. The Sherman Silver Law, 1890. In the Civil War, gold and silver had disappeared from circulation. But after the close of the war, a gradual return was made to specie payments. In the colonial days, the demand was for silver, as compared with the demand for gold, outran the supply. The consequence was that silver was constantly becoming worth more in comparison with gold. In the 19th century, the supply of silver has greatly outstripped the demand, with the result that silver has greatly declined in value as compared with gold. In 1871, the government decided to use silver for small coins only, and not to allow silver to be offered in payment of a larger sum than $5. This was called the demonetization of silver. In 1878, a small but earnest band of advocates of the free coinage of silver secured the passage of an act of Congress for the coinage of two million silver dollars each month. The silver in each one of these dollars was only worth in gold from 90 to 60 cents. In 1890, Senator John Sherman of Ohio brought in a bill to increase the coinage of these silver dollars which, in 1894, were worth only 49 cents on the dollar in gold. 467. 
Election of 1892. One result of this great increase in the silver coinage was to alarm businessmen throughout the country. Businesses constantly declined. Everyone who could lessened his expenses as much as possible. Mill owners and railroad managers discharged their workers or reduced their wages. Harrison and Cleveland were again the Republican and Democratic candidates for the presidency. As is always the case, the party in power was held to be responsible for the hard times. Enough voters turned to Cleveland to elect him, and he was inaugurated president for the second time, March 4th, 1893. 468. Silver and the Tariff In the summer of 1893, there was a great scarcity of money. Thousands of people withdrew all the money they could from the banks and locked it up in places of security, but Congress repealed the Sherman Silver Law and put an end to the compulsory purchase of silver and the coinage of silver dollars. This tended to restore confidence. The Democrats once more overhauled the tariff. Under the lead of Representative Wilson of West Virginia, they passed the Tariff Act, lowering some duties and placing many articles on the free list. 469. The Chicago Exhibition, 1893. The 400th anniversary of the Columbian discovery of America occurred in October 1892. Preparations were made for holding a great commemorative exhibition at Chicago, but it took so long to get everything ready that the exhibition was not held until the summer of 1893. Beautiful buildings were erected of a cheap but satisfactory material. They were designed with the greatest taste and were filled with splendid exhibits that showed the skill and resources of Americans, and also with the products of foreign countries. Hundreds of thousands of persons from all parts of the country visited the exhibition with pleasure and great profit. No more beautiful or successful exhibition has ever been held. 470. Election of 1896. In 1896, the Republicans held their convention at St. Louis and nominated William McKinley of Ohio for president. They declared in favor of the gold standard, unless some arrangement with other nations for a standard of gold and silver could be made. They also declared for protection to home industries. The Democrats held their convention at Chicago. The men who had stood by Cleveland found themselves in a helpless minority. William Jennings Bryan of Nebraska was nominated for president on a platform advocating the free coinage of silver and many changes in the laws in the direction of socialism. The populists and the silver republicans also adopted Bryan as their candidate. Now at last the question of the gold standard or the silver standard was fairly before the voters. They responded by electing McKinley and a Republican House of Representatives. 471. The Dingley Tariff, 1897. The Republicans, once more in control of the government, set to work to reform the tariff in favor of high protection. Representative Dingley of Maine was chairman of the committee of the House that drew up the new bill, and the act as finally passed goes by his name. It raised the duties on some classes of goods and taxed many things that hitherto had come in free. Especially were duties increased on certain raw materials for manufacturers, with a view to encourage the production of such materials in the United States. 
The reciprocity features of the McKinley tariff were also restored. End of chapter 44